0: How's everybody doing this morning? It's 2017. Did you guys notice that on the calendar? We're in 2017. So, um, welcome um, to Church on the Rock. I haven't been here in a while, have you? You have? I've been here a few times in the past month or so. Uh, So, it's good to be back here. It's good to be with you this morning. Um, I am a preacher, so um, it's kind of weird when I don't preach, Don't know what to say, really. I don't know what to do. Just kind of wander around southern Indiana looking for somebody to talk to. Um, So even though I have been off since around Thanksgiving, I mean, not off from coming to church, but off from preaching, uh, God still gives me stuff. Even if I don't want him to give me stuff, he still gives me stuff to preach on. I'm like, but I'm not even preaching, but he gives me stuff anyway. So um, I got a lot of messages and sermons, uh, sermon series not just a sermon, but sermon series in my mind and in my heart. Um, so we're going to preach them all today. We're going to do it. You guys good? You don't have to go to work till tomorrow morning, so we're good. We got all day. Uh, so let's read John 14 and verse 12. This is red letter, so Jesus is speaking it. He says in John 14 and verse 12, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. But notice he says, he who believes in me, who, who believes in Jesus, the works that I do, he will do also. You could underline that. The works that I do, he or she will do also, Now, he's praying for his disciples, which we are. And he goes on and says, and this throws a lot of people off because just doing what Jesus did would be good enough. But then he goes and says, doing the works that I do, he would do also and greater works than these will he do because I go to my father. Now, let's look over at the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. In verse one. Now you're going to be responsive today. I'm going to take up the challenge. You're going to be responsive today. You had about a month when dad was here to take off and be responsive. And it showed. So now you're going to be responsive again. Gotcha. There. I was here. I was in the service. Um, so we're going to be responsive. We're going to be lively because you get more when you respond more. And... You know, when Pentecostal charismatics read the book of Acts, they just act wild in general. So uh, we're going to read out of the book of Acts. So that means there should be a response within you. So we're going to respond. We're going to be lively. I realize it's freezing cold outside and uh, that's okay. I realize you you feel like you want to be quiet and you want to be cuddled up in blankies right now. But the more you respond, the more hot air will be coming out of your mouth and will be warming you up. And be warming up your neighbor, hopefully, also. So uh, you hit two birds with one stone with doing that. So Acts 1 and verse 1, it says, The former account I made, O Theophilus. Baby names 217. I got you hooked up so far. Oh The, I can't even say it again. I'm just going to skip over it. Yes. Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Let's look down at verse 7. And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, In verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But notice Jesus said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power when he comes upon you, and you will be a witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth of the earth. So today, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is greater works, greater works. Talk about greater works this morning. Now let's turn back over to John 14 and we're going to stay there for a little bit. John 14. Talking about greater works this morning. Now we're going to be talking about the early church today talking about the book of Acts somewhat. And we're going to talk about how the same things that Jesus did, he said we could do also. And he said greater works than these that we could do. But it's amazing because he doesn't just say, you can do these things that I did, but he gives us a whole book of people just like us who were the early disciples, who were the early church, who did the things that Jesus just said, They could do And so it's not like he just said Well you guys can do it And we don't have any examples Of people doing it We have a whole book Of the early church Doing exactly what Jesus said And demonstrating the gospel And the power of God To the world And they changed the world Within 30 years The known world at that time They changed the world Said that these early disciples Had turned the world upside down In a short period of time Because they We're doing the same things that Jesus did. So the book of Acts, um, I know we're reading in John in a second, but the book of Acts is really the uh, part two of the Gospels. It is the sequel to the Gospels. Now, sometimes sequels stink. Can I get amen? Usually the sequels stink. Let's say that a lot of times the sequels to to the first movie, they're just horrible. They're no good. You know, unless we're talking about Star Wars, then, you know... There's a lot of different Star Wars movies, and they're all anointed by God, of course. But most movies and most stories, the second one is usually not as good as the first one. It's usually not as good as the first one. So the thing about God is part two is just as good as the first part or better. Because there's not just one Jesus walking around. There's multiple. There's not just one person healing. There's hundreds. There's not just one person delivering people. There's thousands. And so Acts is the part two to the Gospels. It is the sequel to the Gospels. It was written by Luke, which we know Luke has a Gospel. And Luke wrote about Jesus' life. Luke was a doctor. He was a physician. And Luke is very detailed. If you read his Gospel, the Gospel of Luke, he's very detailed. He's more detailed than the other Gospels. And he's detailed about the book of Acts. He's the one who wrote the book of Acts. And so he gives us this account. It's 28 chapters, and it really covers about 30 years of the early church. The first 30 years he covers and gives us kind of a summary of what happened in the early church. Now, we talk like this, that we should be copying what the early church did, but a lot of churches don't look anything like what the early church looked like. Let's be honest. Most modern-day churches in 2017 do not look anything like the book of Acts. Nowhere near it. But we should be basing our churches and our lives that we can do the same thing that the book of Acts people did, the early followers of Jesus did. Because really the book of Acts is the blueprint for the church. Not just the early church, but the church. Now I realize we're 2,000 years past this. But this is still the word of God, and it's still forever. And we still should base our churches and our lives off the blueprint of the book of Acts. So the book of Acts, like I said, written by Luke, is about the first 30 years of the early church. So before we really dive more into the book of Acts, I want to say this first. In John 14 and verse 12, let's read again what Jesus said. Jesus said, now he's praying this. Verse 12, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me. How many believe in Jesus? Raise your hand. Okay. So it's a lot of you right now. So that means you're qualified for this verse. He who believes in me. Now, he doesn't say because some people will misinterpret scripture and say, well, all these signs and wonders and miracles were done away with the early apostles. He doesn't say he who was an apostle can do these things. He who was an early disciple in early Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. No, he said, he who believes in me. So even though we live in 2017, if you believe in him, you can pertain to this verse. You can believe in this verse. You are qualified for this verse, what Jesus is about to say. He said, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. The works that I will do, or I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. The same works that Jesus did, you will do also, and greater things. Now, that's why the people in the book of Acts did what they did, because they took Jesus, what he said, literally, And they said, well, Jesus said, if I believe in him, the same things that he did, I can do also and greater things. And so in the book of Acts, they start doing those things and it works because Jesus said, if you believe in me, the same things that I do, you can do also and greater things than these. So Jesus said we could do greater things. Well, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? I'm, I'm hearing some Ms. Gedney is the only person who reads her Bible around here. She's right. What did Jesus do? He healed people. He delivered people. He set the captives free. He fed people. He clothed people. He showed people the love of God. He walked in the power of God. The same things that I do, you can do also. All those things we just listed, and we could list more. But all those things that Jesus did, we can do also. And then he says, and greater works than these. We can do. Now, I realize most of us in here are just trying to get to the same level as I want to do the same things Jesus did. Let's not go to the greater, because we need to cover this first. Now, when he says greater, it's not like that you're greater than Jesus is. He's meaning that there will be greater things because there will be more of us to get things done. And so the impact of the gospel and the power of God and the mission of God will be greater because it's not one Jesus in Jerusalem, but there's hundreds and thousands and now billions of Jesus people around the world that are doing the same things that Jesus did because they have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had. And so that's why he can say, you guys are going to do greater things because you're going to make a bigger impact. It's going to be a broader impact. You're going to do greater things because there's going to be more of you to get the job done and to fulfill the mission and the plan of God. Because I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to send one back and it's going to be the Holy Spirit. And he's going to help you do it. So what did Jesus do? You guys listed some things. He healed people. He delivered people. He showed people the love of God. He helped those who were in need. He did all these things. Really, he met any need that anybody had. Whether that was physical, mental, emotional, any way he met those needs because he walked in the power of God. Now, the thing is, Jesus didn't just come to show you what he could do. But he came to show you what we can do. Religion says, look at Jesus doing all that stuff. That's awesome. Religion says that. But the true gospel and what God really wants to get across to us, he didn't come to just show us what he could do. He came to show us what we could do who follow him, who believe in him. Now it's awesome to look at what Jesus did but notice what he said. He's telling his early disciples I'm about to go back up to heaven and I still got a job to get done on the earth so you're going to have to do it. And I'm not going to leave you alone because the same things I do you can do also. And greater things than these. Now how can we do these things? How can we do these things? Well There is a secret to the success of Jesus. And there's a key and a secret to the success of the early church. And he mentions it a couple verses after he says you can do these greater works. Now, before we mention that, let me say this. When Jesus was here in physical form... He was not walking as God. He was walking as a man. Now, he was God. But Philippians said that even though he was God, he humbled himself and gave up his divine privileges as God. And he decided to walk this earth as a man just like we are. So when he healed people... And he delivered people. He wasn't doing that as God. Now all religious people are freaking out right now. (laughs) We don't have many of those in our church anyway. So He wasn't healing blind eyes and raising the dead as God. He was doing that as a man anointed by God. Now why did he do that? To show you. You being a human being can do the same things when you're anointed by God. Because all of us can say, well, I can't do it because I'm not God. That was Jesus. Well, Jesus wasn't walking as God. He was walking as a man in this earth, anointed by God. And he never did any supernatural thing until he was anointed by God. Now, what is the anointing of God? It is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit is a person. And Jesus never did anything supernatural or significant until he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Until the Holy Spirit came upon him to do what he was called to do. So notice in verse 16. Now verse 12, he says you can do greater works. He says you can do greater works. But notice the secret is in verse 16. He says, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Now same chapter, verse 26. Let's look at this. Same chapter. He's telling you the secret on how you're going to do these greater things. And you're going to do the same things that I did. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I've said to you. That's his secret. And that's your secret. How did Jesus do what he did? He could have done it as God. That would have been okay. But notice he wanted to show us how to live in this planet as a human being anointed by God. And he said he put away his divine privileges. He walked as a man. So when he healed people, when he delivered people, when he loved on people, when he walked in the power of God, he did it as a man, not as God. But notice he did it as a man, not by himself, anointed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him to do the works of God. In the same way, that's why he says, you can do greater things, you can do the works I do, but guess what, you can't do it by yourself. I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit, who's going to help you do everything I've called you to do. Because you can't heal a fly by yourself. You can't change anybody's heart by yourself. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Now, you're still here? You're still glad you're here? Okay, just check it. Now, at the end of all the Gospels, Jesus says time after time, I'm going to go away. I'm going to go away. I'm going to go to my Father in heaven and... I'm going to send another one. He's going to be the Holy Spirit. But he also tells his disciples, hey, there's a big mission. There's a big plan. I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I want you to change the world. Pretty big, right? I'm not, he didn't just say change New Albany. Now that's a good starting place. Change the world. Now this is before transportation. No car, no plane. We're talking a donkey and a boat. Tops. And he says, change the world. But he said this, I want you to change the world. I want you to do the same things that I did. Which would be overwhelming if Jesus said that to you and you were an early disciple. You realize they didn't have Bible teaching like we do to understand what Jesus was saying in the moment. That was the first time they ever heard it. There was no Bible teacher to say, well, let me explain to you the context of what Jesus is saying right now. So you understand and you don't freak out, early disciple. No, Jesus was just saying it and they were just like, why are you leaving? We just got going good, Jesus. Three years of ministry and you're leaving us already. How are we going to do this? And Jesus said, I want all of you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to go to an upper room. And you got to wait for the Holy Spirit. You got to wait for the Holy Spirit. Now, why did Jesus say, go to the upper room and wait for the Holy Spirit? Because they could do nothing apart from being empowered by the Spirit of God. And he knew you can't do this mission, you can't fulfill the plan of God, you can't heal anybody, you can't deliver anybody, you can't change anybody until you receive the same Holy Spirit that I have. So I want you to go to Jerusalem into the upper room, and you're going to have to wait for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. Because until that happens, you can't do it by yourself. And the same thing is true for us today in 2017. You can't do it by yourself and on your own. And the good news is God doesn't want you to. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit to help us do. Notice the works that he did, we can do also and greater things. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And he's not just in us, but uh, those of us who believe in it, because this is a spirit-filled church, he doesn't just come in us, but he comes upon us to do what God has called us to do. And we can do the same things that Jesus did and greater works. Same thing and greater. So the secret was the Holy Spirit. So at the end of the Gospels, he he leaves it with them waiting in the upper room for the Holy Spirit to come. Because they can't do it apart from him. He's still here. Let's look at Acts 1 in verse 1. You guys getting something this morning? So, Jesus said, wait there because you can't do this. And if you try to do this, you will fail apart from the Holy Spirit. Now, that's why a lot of people get frustrated in 2017 is because they're trying to live this Christian life. Or do things that Jesus did apart from the help and the strength of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't really work. It doesn't work. Because the Holy Spirit is the power of God. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God to do what we're called to do. In Acts 1 and verse 1, it says that this is the former account I made, O Theophilus. Of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Now let's just stop there for a second. What Jesus began both to do and to teach. Notice he said what Jesus began to do and to teach. When Jesus left the planet, that wasn't the end. Where are you at? When Jesus ascended to heaven, that wasn't the ending. That was just the beginning of what Jesus began to do and teach. Now, I know Jesus said it was finished, but he was talking about salvation. He wasn't talking about the plan and mission of God. And it says, this is the account of what Jesus began both, notice, to do, to do, meaning there should be some actions and some demonstration of what we say we believe. But notice he said do and teach, but not just teach, we're just going to just teach on Sunday mornings and we're going to live like we don't know what we just heard on Sunday the rest of the week. Or we're not just going to gather together and teach about what God can do, but we're never going to see what God can do. That's not what he wants for us. That's not what the book of Acts is all about. It's what he began to do and teach. It was the beginning, not the ending. Because in reality, Jesus is still doing and teaching, but he's not doing it through his physical body. He's doing it through his spiritual body. It's not over. He's still doing it. He's still teaching, but he's not doing it in physical form. He's doing it through his spiritual body, which is the church. That's why it says in the New Testament, we are the body of Christ. We're the body. He's the head, and we're the body, meaning God is still doing things, but he's doing it through His body. He's still healing, but he's healing through his body. He's still delivering, but he's delivering through his body. He's saving, but he's still saving through his body. He's still helping people and loving people and changing people. I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. But he's doing it through his body. Not his physical body, because it's up in heaven, but he's doing it through his spiritual body, which is us. Isn't that the truth? Now when you realize that, Christianity goes from boring to exciting. I'm just going to throw that out. (laughs) This idea of reading your Bible goes from boring, I have to, to this is exciting because I can do these same things that I'm reading about. It goes from going to church and Being a Christian, from being boring, and I don't want to do it, to, man, this is exciting, because you're actually doing something. Not sitting on your blessed assurance waiting for Jesus to come back. But this is what Jesus began to do and teach. Not what he finished, what he began. And you realize Jesus is not coming back Brace yourself till the church finishes the job. So really, we have a lot to play in this. Many people are saying, oh my gosh, the world is so dark. The world is so bad, so horrible. Donald Trump, Putin, God, man, he has an awesome name, doesn't he? It's nothing like a Russian dictator to have a Putin name. Isn't that awesome? You just mock him. People are freaking out. Jesus said long, long time ago, these things will come in the end time. And they will not just come, but they will Multiply more earthquakes more wars more natural disasters all these things would happen in the end times but he has a mission for the church to do and a lot of people are saying god i just wish you would hurry up and take us out of here we want the rapture rapture now left behind what a great movie for all of us to see left behind god bless them christian movies rock don't they I'm mocking right now. I'm, I'm mocking Christian movies. Um, a lot of people are saying, God, take us out of here. Rapture us up. Get, get us out of here. God's saying that's not going to happen until the job's finished. And that's on us. He's not going to come back till the job's done. He's not going to come back to the mission of God. The plan of God is completed. That means we have a part to play in the plan of God. You know, the book is called Acts. It's not called sitting. Laying down. Passive. It's called the book of Acts. Implying action. Implying it's active. That this Christian life is not supposed to be passive. It's supposed to be an active life. It's supposed to be some action because the book of Acts. That's why a lot of us aren't too excited about our relationship with God or our plan that God has for us because we're passive, we're not active. God never called you to be passive. That's why you're miserable. That's not what you're called to be. That's not what you're called to do. The early church was active. There was some action. That's why it's called the book of Acts or the Acts of the Apostles. But in reality, the book of Acts is still being written today. 2,000 years later, the book of Acts is still being written because the church is still here. My question is, why doesn't it look like the way it used to? Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about, let's go back to candlelight and wearing robes and dirt on the floor. But I'm saying what the disciples experienced, what they did, what they preached, the boldness that they had on them. We can have those same things because we have the same Holy Spirit. So it implies by the book of Acts that there should be some action, there should be some activity in our Christian life. And when there's not, that's when it gets boring. That's when it gets dry. That's when it gets. What's the point in reading my Bible? What's the point in coming to church? What's the point of believing what I believe in? You get dry, you get stale, you get crusty, you just get plain nasty. Do you like that? You like that. Yeah. (laughs) Why? Because you're not active anymore, there's no action. The Holy Spirit wants to help you, but he can't help if we're not doing anything. It's quiet. You know, um, the reality is that there is a thing called the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is dead for a reason, because water goes in, but it doesn't go out. So there's nothing to keep it fresh. It's the same thing for a lot of believers. The reason they start getting dry, getting bored, getting dead in one sense to the things of God is because word is going in, but nothing's coming out. Worship is coming in, but nothing's going out. Teaching is going in, but nothing's going out. And so you get dead. You get stagnant. Get dry. Because you're receiving, you're receiving, you're receiving, but you're not giving out. There's no action. There's no activity. And that is not what God has called us to be. We don't function right like that as believers. Jesus said in the gospels, freely you have received, freely give. And that's why God did it in the first place. It wasn't just about you. He saved you so you could help save other people. He healed you so you could heal other people. He delivered you so you could deliver other people. He helped you so you could help other people. He didn't just do it for you so you could receive it and you could have it and you could be blessed and you could be happy. No, He did it for somebody else other than you. And we become dead and dry and stagnant like the dead sea. When we receive, we receive, we receive, but we never give out. Because Jesus said, freely you receive, freely give. And that's the Christian life. Freely you receive, freely give. Even the book of Proverbs says, when you water others, yourself will be watered. When you refresh others, yourself will be refreshed. It's a principle in the word of God. When you give, you receive. When you give, you receive. But notice, you dry up and you become dead when you just receive, 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 and you keep it to yourself. So these early apostles and disciples, they were active. They had some action. They did some acts. They did the works of God. And notice, they decided, we've received a lot, so we're going to give a lot. And we're going to do a lot. Because Jesus said we could do this. And notice what happened in this early church. They multiplied in people, in money, in authority. They multiplied and they spread the gospel and had revival and they changed cities and nations in the known world at that time. So Acts 1 and verse 8. You guys getting something today? Acts 1 and verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Notice, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power. You'll receive power. But you need to do something with it. There's a purpose. Now, this is a lot of times what happens. You shall receive power. Notice you're receiving something. But God says, don't just receive it. Give it away. Do something with it. Be active with this power. Do some actions, some acts with this power. And that's what the early church did. Is they didn't just receive power, but he says power to be a witness in all the world. Now this is a lot of times what Pentecostals charismatics get wrong, which we are. They talk about how much power they have, but it stops there. Which is pointless. (laughs) A lot of people who believe like the way we believe are prideful. Because we believe... That we know more than the rest of the body of Christ knows. Oh, it's quiet in here. All right, I'm going to take my coat off on that. Thank you, sir. We're prideful. Because we believe we know more than the rest of the body of Christ knows. Which I'm not saying that's not true. True. But I am saying that attitude's wrong. And if you say you got all, all this power and you never do anything with it, then it's pointless. Then the only reason you're bringing it up so you feel better about yourself and you think you're an elite Christian who knows all the secrets of the Bible because you're a word of faith, spirit-filled person which is good because you've been taught a lot. That's great. But it shouldn't stop there. The more you've been given, the more is required. The more you've received, the more God is expecting some action. But if we can be truthful, people like us and churches like us are the least active in the body of Christ amongst churches. But we say we know more than other people do. And we say we have more power than other churches do. Quiet, isn't it? All right. I'm calling myself out, people. Don't look at me like that. I don't know anything different. I've been here 29 years of my life. That's all I know. My question is, when is there going to be some action with it? When is there going to be some activity with it? When is there going to be a day where we have to admit, why are we being so prideful when we're not using what we have? Because we received a lot. But Jesus said, freely you receive, freely give. Where's this side? Jesus said, I've given you all this. Much has been given. Much is going to be required. And that's what really has challenged me and hopefully I'm challenging you with today is this early church, the book of Acts. What did they do? They were active, they were full of passion, full of life. And notice, every time they received something from God, they gave it away. Every time they received something from God, they gave it away. The more they had been given, the more that was required of them, and they were constantly giving to others what they had received. And that's how the church grew and multiplied, is when people have that mindset. That's how we reach our neighbors and our friends and our world, is when we're active and we're not passive. And... We take some action, like the book of Acts. You still here this morning? Here's something. Many people don't want to talk about the book of Acts in church. Not not necessarily this church, but other churches, because when we talk about the book of Acts and we say, we're supposed to be this way, we're supposed to... Do these things, it's embarrassing. Yeah. It's quiet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It's embarrassing for all of us in here because you're like, hey, this is what the early church is like. We're supposed to be this way. Oh, wait. (laughs) So a lot of churches just skip over the book of Acts. It's embarrassing. Because when people say you're supposed to be like this church and you're nothing like it, it can be embarrassing. Uh, Another thing is sometimes people are afraid of it. Uh, Dad mentioned this before, but he said when he was in seminary, uh, the professor he had took all the supernatural out of the book of Acts because he's afraid of it. If you take the supernatural out of the book of Acts, all you have is a short history book. Nothing else You can't do that A lot of people will say That these things that I'm talking about That not just we made up But there's books in the Bible written about this stuff That these things we talk about are weird They're weird Well The reality of it is this you're weird, God's not weird. Just for starters, we're going to go there. You're weird, God's not weird. Um, and <laughs> many people think that this is weird because we live in such a natural world who knows nothing about any of this. So really this idea that it's weird, I see what you're saying, but it's really not weird. It's just we live in such a natural world It seems so different and foreign from where most of us live. Now, it is supernatural. It's not natural. And that's where sometimes people get freaked out. And, of course, we also know this, and I shared this when we talked about the Holy Spirit before. There is a lot of weird Christians who make the book of Acts and the Spirit-filled life seem weird to other people, but they're just weirdos. Okay? Okay. None of you. Other people we know. And so when you start talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit or healing or deliverance, any of those things or the gifts of the Spirit in a lot of churches, they freak out. They're afraid of it. They're embarrassed of it. They say it's weird. But for the early church, it was normal. For the early church, it was normal. It was just part of their life. It was what we do. It was, this is just our life. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is so supernatural and weird. It was like they were just living their life and the signs followed them that believed. And the thing is that we see this in the early disciples, it was just part of their life. It was natural to walk in the supernatural. And I realize that's so foreign for a lot of us. That's why it seems weird. Because it was natural for them to walk in the supernatural because they were walking the same way Jesus did. You realize Jesus didn't walk around with a halo on his head, with a glazed look in his eyes, like he was a crazy person, just... (laughs) He walked like a normal guy. He ate fish with his disciples. He walked through the markets. He probably played basketball. You know he did. But he was naturally supernatural. And that carried on to the early disciples who walked with Jesus. They saw the way that Jesus walked and the way he acted. And they carried that on. In their everyday life, it was just a part of their life to walk in the supernatural power of God. And it wasn't like they were trying to make a big deal out of it. They weren't trying to be weird and spooky and and cause attention. A lot of times when you read this, they were trying to get away after they healed somebody or delivered somebody because they were worried about their life. They weren't trying to say, hey, everybody, come follow me. I just healed somebody. They were trying to get out of town before somebody killed them. But notice, they walked in the supernatural power of God, and it was natural to them. And that's my prayer for us, that we walk like these early believers walk, that these supernatural things that we talk about in church, especially spirit-filled churches, which is this whole idea of spirit-filled churches, all of the churches in the New Testament were spirit-filled and believed like this. And all these things that we're talking about are all over the Bible. It's not one time. That we would walk like that. And it would be a natural thing. It wouldn't be weird or embarrassing. But it would be a natural part of our lives to live in the supernatural power of God. You see, these early believers, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they healed people. They delivered people. They walked in the power of God to a level that other people were in awe and reverence of them. Not in an afraid way, running from them, but they knew these people walk in the power of God, and so they showed them reverence. There was people in the early church, like Peter, who denied Jesus to a little girl three times. Right before Jesus died. The same Peter. Book of Acts. Acts 2. And into verse 3. In chapter 3. The same Peter who denied Jesus to a little girl. Is the same Peter who got up in front of thousands of people. And preached the gospel. And he didn't care who heard it. Something happened. You know what happened between then? The Holy Spirit got poured out. And when the Holy Spirit got poured out, he went from being afraid to being bold. Just like that. And what happened, just like it says in Acts 1 verse 8, the Holy Spirit gave him power to be a witness in his world. When before, he was denying Jesus to little girls. No offense, little girls. But then just a little bit later, he's standing in front of thousands of people knowing that he could be killed for what he says. Not American persecution. Real persecution. Not a bad tweet or a Facebook message. Like you could die if you said something about Jesus. And he got in front of thousands of people and said, you guys need to repent because y'all killed Jesus. That's what he said. And Jesus was the Messiah we've been looking for. And he said it in front of thousands of people. And he was bold about it because the Holy Spirit came upon him. And it says 3,000 people got saved in one day when he preached. You guys follow me so far today? I want to share... Two last things before we close. Let's look at Acts 3. You guys receiving this today? So my prayer is that we look like the early church, which was naturally supernatural. Not weird, not spooky, not you got a weird glazed eye. look like you're on medication or something. He's like, man, I need to pray for you. Don't pray for me. I need to pray for you. Let's take you to the ER right now because you look a little strange. But naturally supernatural. We could walk in the power of God, and it doesn't have to be flashy. It doesn't have to be in front of everybody. Like Dad said before, when he goes on an airplane, he doesn't say, I take authority over this airplane in the name of Jesus. I'm a man of God, and you will listen to me. He doesn't say that in front of everybody in the airplane, but he does pray, and he whispers it so he doesn't get thrown off the airplane. But notice, he doesn't make a fool out of himself. And guess what? God can hear your whisper, prayer. You don't have to be bold and wild and crazy all the time. And you know what? His prayer still works. And he could be supernatural even if he doesn't raise his voice. He's mentioned before praying for that one man who was on an airplane who had a seizure. Went and prayed for him. Wasn't yelling. Wasn't screaming. Just prayed. Supernatural power of God came and helped him. Didn't have to make a big deal out of it. Didn't get on the intercom. I'm Dr. Jacobs. I'm a prophet. I'm walking in the prophet's anointing, everybody. So uh, everybody listen up because we're going to receive the healing anointing right now. He didn't say that. All he did was go back and lay hands on him. And notice God healed him supernaturally. So Acts 3 and verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, asking alms to those who entered. And... Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, fixing his eyes on him with John and Peter, said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood, walked, and entered the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all of the people saw him walking and praising God. And then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So, this is right after the day of Pentecost, where everyone was... Filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came. Peter and John, what are they doing? They are doing the same works that Jesus did. They received the same Holy Spirit. Now, they weren't having a healing crusade. They were on their way to church. They were on their way to church, and they see somebody who can't walk. Who's begging for alms, and he hasn't been able to walk. And what do they do? Well, they have the Holy Spirit now, and they have this spirit of boldness. And I bet when they saw that man, they heard Jesus' words in their head. The same works I do, you will do also. The same works I do, you will do also. And greater works than these. The same works I do, you will do also. And all they did was say, this is all they said, Silver and gold I do not have. I don't have cash or credit card. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That was a long prayer, wasn't it? (laughs) They prayed heaven and earth together. All I said was, I don't have any money, but what I do have is the power of God. Translation. Rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. And he rose up and walked. And it wasn't just them that saw it. All the people at the temple and around the temple saw it, and they glorified God because he was walking and leaping and praising God. This is proof, and we're barely into the book of Acts. This is Acts 3. There's a lot of this in the book of Acts. Right after the Holy Spirit came, what did they do? They started doing the works that Jesus did. And greater works. They started living the supernatural life. Immediately. They started being bold. They started healing people. They started delivering people. They started living this Christian life. Full of the power of God. As soon as they got filled with the Holy Spirit. And God's power was there. Because they remembered. Jesus said. The same things I do. You can do also. And in the first Part of this chapter 3 They started doing it And notice they did it Not in a church service But living their everyday life Here's an interesting thing They were on their way to church But somebody needed to be healed On their way to church Most people Would just go on to church And say if they want to be healed They would come to church but what if God puts you on their path for a reason to get them healed before they're ever coming to a church building? What if God puts you, you say, well, they need deliverance. They need to come to church. What if God puts you in their life for a reason to bring them deliverance before they'll ever come to a church? Because really what they need, they don't necessarily need church. They need Jesus. Jesus and they can get that outside of these four walls. Hello somebody. Now, when they receive Jesus, they should get it plugged into a local church, and guess what? They'll want to. But what they need is Jesus first. And majority of people that are in need of that are not in this building today. They're out there. Huh, where you live? Where you work? Where you go to the store, where you go to the gym, where you live your everyday life. There's a reason God set it up that way. Because he wants you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And demonstrate the gospel. And the same works he did you can do also. You guys believe it today? Two, two things as we're closing. I know it's 11.45. We're good on time. Two things before we close. These are two things that I see happening in the early church in the book of Acts. These are two things that I see. Now, we could list more, but let's make it simple. The early church, the book of Acts, they kept it simple. Jesus said it, so they did it. They didn't think about it. They didn't debate about it. They didn't argue about it. They said Okay, Jesus, we believe you. You said it. Let's go do it. And it worked that way. So here's two things I wrote down that I feel like if we want to do the same works that Jesus did in greater works, we need to live like this. And this is what I see in these early believers in the book of Acts. First of all, they had simple faith. They had simple faith. They had simple faith. Jesus would say it like this in the Gospels. They had childlike faith. What's childlike faith? Childlike faith means if an adult says something to a child, they believe it. They don't analyze it like an adult analyzes it. They believe it. And Jesus says in the Gospels, he says, you guys need to be like these little kids because they just believe me. He says, you need to have childlike faith, which is simple faith. And it's as simple as this. If God said that I can do it, I can do it. If the Bible says it's true, it's true. If Jesus said, I know it's a super simple thought. If Jesus said, I can do the works that he did in greater works. I believe it. I'm not going to argue about it. I'm not going to try to look through 25 commentaries to give me another opinion on what Jesus said. He said what he said. And simple faith says, if Jesus said I can do the same things he did, I believe it and I'm going to do it. And you know what? That's when it works. When you just believe it like a child. Simple. Simple faith. And that's what you see in these early disciples. They weren't always the most educated person. They weren't always the most prestigious or a a dignitary type person. They were simple people living simple, natural lives, but they had faith in God and God used them supernaturally to change the world. But they had simple faith. And they realized if God said I can do it, I can do it. If he said we could do greater works, guess what? We can do greater works. And I believe, God, that you can do it. Simple faith. Simple faith. A lot of believers miss it because they complicate it. If God said it, I believe it. If God said I can do it, I can do it. And notice when you're in those settings, don't think about anything else. Let's just say this. If somebody is on your heart and you know they're sick or you know they need prayer for healing. All you got to do is ask to pray for them. And when you pray for them, don't think about yourself. Think about Jesus said, the same works you can do also. Think about the verse that he says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's all you got to think about. Simple faith and say, you know what, God? I believe that you're the healer and you can heal them. Doesn't have to be a long prayer. Simple faith. Simple faith. In Acts 4 in verse 13. Now, before I read this, let me say this as we close. After this guy got healed, everybody started freaking out all of the Roman government of that time was scared because they realized these early believers were going to take over the known world and they weren't going to be in charge anymore. And they commanded these early believers, we don't want you to pray over anybody in the name of Jesus. Don't do it. Don't you do it. And the early believers said, Jesus, I'll do it. Don't dare me not to do it. I'll do it. I'll pray for somebody. But notice how much power they were walking in. They said, in front of all these government officials, we don't want you to pray for people in the name of Jesus because we know it works. Because after this man got healed, there was revival. There was revolution happening. And earlier in the passage, it says, by what power did you guys do this? And they said, the name of Jesus. But notice... In Acts 4 and verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness, are you hearing me? The boldness of Peter and John. Now these are the same guys who were hiding out in an upper room not too long ago. But now they got boldness on them because of the Holy Spirit. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been With Jesus That's what their qualifications were Not that they had been to Bible college That they had been Spirit filled That they had been at church on the rock Their qualifications And the reason the man had gotten healed Was simple faith They had been with Jesus That's it God used somebody like that. And it says, these men were not educated, they were not trained, but they had power because they had been with Jesus. Simple faith. So if we're going to walk and do the things that Jesus did, we're going to have to have simple faith, childlike faith. If God said we can do it, we can do it. Here's the next one. An open heart. An open heart. Now, what do I mean by an open heart? Well, I mean this. When I say open heart, I'm talking about these early apostles and disciples. They were open to hear from God, to minister to other people. And what I mean by that is not at church. They were open in their daily lives. They had an open heart to minister and to show people the power of God in their everyday lives. They had an open heart. Because if we want to do the same things that Jesus did, we're going to have to have an open heart to other people. If we're going to walk like these men did in the book of acts we're gonna have to have an open heart to hear the voice of god when he says hey you should say this to this person you should pray for this person maybe they need deliverance maybe they need five dollars for lunch and you're meeting a need and they're going to turn around their life just because they know somebody cares about them but if you don't have an open heart you're going to miss things all day long when god's trying to talk to you And we see that these disciples, they did this as they lived their life. It was natural. The same way Jesus did in his ministry. He lived his life. And you know what? People would come to him when he was trying to eat lunch and say, hey, I have a need. And he wouldn't say, I'm trying to eat my food. He would go help them. He would be walking down the street, sometimes even walking to a conference that he was hosting, and somebody needed healing. And he would heal them, living his everyday life. The thing is, we have to be open to people, and we have to be open to interruptions in our everyday life. Yeah. That's where it got me too. I was like, do I want to write that? <laughs> we got to be open to interruptions. Guilty as charged. Okay, I'll raise my hand first. But I need to go to the store. I don't have time to talk to this person. I need to go to the store. I'm on my way to the gym. I don't have time to help this person out or talk to them. I know, God, you said talk to them, but I have things to do. I need to get this done right now. I don't have time for other people. Does this sound like the thoughts that go through your head too? But notice, we'll never be able to do the same things that Jesus did if we're not open to people and open to interruptions in our life. Really, the majority of times that Jesus healed people, they were interruptions in his day. He was on his way somewhere. He was eating food. He was doing things with his disciples. And people would come up to him and say, I have a need. And he healed them. And I'm saying if we want to do these same things that Jesus did, we have to be open to people. We have to be open to interruptions in our life. I'm saying I have a problem with that. I'll be honest with you. A lot of times I'm thinking about where I'm going to go next. I need to get here. I need to do that. I need to go here. Or I'm going to go straight home. Close my garage door. Stay away from all people. Jump in the bed. Forget that this world ever happened today. That's what we do. That is the modern American person. Avoid as many confrontations and conversations and confrontations as possible. Because I have places to go and Netflix to watch. (laughs) So we have to have an open heart, open to people, open to interruptions. You know, in, I think it's about Acts 10, there was a story about... I think it was Peter. And he didn't want to go talk to a certain group of people. Because he was prejudiced. Because they weren't church people. And God gave him a dream. And he gave it to him three times. And he said, don't call unclean what I have cleansed. Now... When I say open to people and open to interruptions, I'm not talking about the people you like. I'm not talking about the people that are living in the suburbs, rocking a minivan, and got some money. I'm talking about the people that can be difficult, the people that can be messy, the people that are gay. (laughs) the people that smell like marijuana when you're talking to them you're just like hey whoa hey we're both high right now let's just talk let's talk god's good yeah yeah man cool jesus whoo you smell strong you really do When I say open hearts and open to people, I'm talking about those people. I shouldn't even have to say those people because we're all people. But you know what I'm talking about. Because the thing is, a lot of times, those are the people that God's going to send on your path because they're the ones who need help. But God, I want you to send me church people that don't need any help. Isn't that what we? Well, that's what we want. So, I'm going to close here. You, you guys have been patient with me today. Hopefully, you've enjoyed yourself this morning. Um, but as we close, remind yourself of that. If we if we want to do these works that Jesus did, if we want to live the way He lived and the way this early church lived, we can do it. He said we can do it. He said greater things. Than these that we can do, but these two things we need to realize. And let's start practicing that this week. Let's start practicing that, all of us. I give you two easy steps. Simple faith, open heart. Simple faith, open heart. If you do those two things, if you just practice, and that doesn't take a whole lot of effort, just, just start, just practice that. You will be surprised that God, the people that God brings into your life. Trust me. You will be surprised at the people that God brings across your path. It will happen. I'm telling you a lot of times the reason that doesn't happen because we're not open to it. We really don't want it to happen. We're not thinking that way. But trust me, if you do this, I believe all of you can have testimonies next Sunday, by next Sunday, of what God did in your life, of the people that God brought across your path because you had simple faith and you had an open heart. You guys get something today? Well, let's pray this morning. Father, we love you today. And we just thank you today for this service.